Glad you could join us for another episode of Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast. One of the things we've done over the years is we've interviewed different elected officials that represent Cranford on the township, county, state, and even federal level. And I'm joined today by Cranford's new mayor, Brian Andrews. Brian, welcome to Cranford Radio. Bernie, thank you very much for having me. I know uh, I'm very much looking forward to this opportunity. Well, we're glad to have you here. And when I talked about we've done these interviews with other elected officials in the past, what I like to do, especially the first time I interview someone, is to do a, a getting to know you interview, to get to know a little bit more about that person, to not necessarily focus on the politics or the issues that are facing that particular individual and the people that they represent, but to get to know the person and what their life is like. The best place to start with somebody's life is the beginning. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up. Grew up in New Jersey in Montgomery Township, which is about an hour away from here uh, where my parents still live. Great growing up, but it's kind of one of the reasons we, we chose Cranford. A lot of things Cranford has that Montgomery doesn't. A lot of space, you know, a lot of developments, but no real downtown. Not as much of a kind of community feel, but it was great as a kid. A lot of bike riding with my neighbors and, and friends. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Montgomery in terms of what you were doing. Were you involved with sports? Were you involved with extracurricular activities in high school? Things of that sort? Oh, that's a good question. I did some sports. I did track. I did football, believe it or not. And then in terms of extracurriculars, I was involved in uh, theater a little bit, but like the back of house stuff, like it was a very active theater club, but I was more helping with the concessions and managing ticket sales and things like that. Like I, I like I, I enjoyed helping the art get out there, but I myself am not a good actor or, or, or very, you know, artistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I've well learned, uh, you have the people that are in front of the camera or in front of the microphone, but there are so many more people that are behind the scenes that are necessary to make it all work. So <laughs> don't yeah. downplay the uh, role that you had to play behind the scenes. No, it was I mean, it was behind the scenes. I get. I think they talked me into for one. I I had like I was in the background of like one scene for like South Pacific, if I remember right, my senior <laughs> year. Like they talked me into doing that. But other than that, yeah, all all behind the scenes. <laughs> and then obviously after high school, it was graduation. I assume you went to college. Tell me about where you went to school and what you majored in. Yeah, so I went to uh, Pomona College, which is a great small liberal arts school out in California. When I went there, we had about 1,400 students or so. So it's very small. You get the sense for everyone, but it's part of a, a larger consortium of colleges, five schools altogether. So Pomona's the biggest, but you have Claremont McKenna, Pitzer, Harvey Mudd, the engineering school, Scripps, a women's college. So you do have like access to kind of a bigger feel. It was, it was great. It was a great experience for me. My college kind of counselor, when I was looking at schools, like I'd never even heard of Pomona. And he said, well, you might as well put it on the list because it's kind of like the other schools you're applying to, but it's, you know, in California. But you like, you won't get in because like no one from here ever gets in. And then I got in, was lucky enough to get admitted and uh, went out to visit. And it's just, you know, palm trees year round, nice weather. It's just beautiful. And it was, it was a really great time. And uh, my major was, um, it was a, a triple kind of major based on the the Cambridge model. So it's politics, philosophy, and economics, and it seeks to kind of bring all three disciplines together. And then I had a minor in U.S. history. Was that something that was unique to Pomona? Was that something that most of the students did having uh, that sort of three-folded major? 
So definitely not most. It, it is one of the more demanding majors on campus, or was at the time, because it requires to take a certain number of classes from each of the disciplines and then certain classes that pull them together. So you had to kind of commit early to do it, to be able to kind of fit all the classes in. I think it originated at Cambridge University in the UK. I think there, I think other US schools like offer it as well. But I, I was drawn to it part because I have a very difficult time making up my mind on big life decisions. And it was a way of like not having to decide and, and focusing on a few different things. It is a good way to kind of think about like the behind the government, like what are the economics, what's kind of the science behind it, but also the why, kind of the philosophy, like what are the moral implications of the choices you're making? And then the politics side of how do you actually accomplish things? Like how do you nuts and bolts actually get things done and move policy forward? Um, so this is great. Now, when you were a student, what did you envision doing after graduation from college? What did you anticipate using this major majors that you had studied for in the uh, the work world? It's a great question. And I didn't really know, to be honest with you. I, I think this is a criticism sometimes of liberal arts institutions. I did not have a very good sense of the real world coming out. And then um, when it came time to my senior year, the smart people I knew were applying very early in the fall for like investment bank jobs, management consulting jobs. And I just kind of got swept up in that wave. And so I, I after Pomona, I went and spent two years uh, in a management consulting firm, which was interesting. I traveled the country, you know, I took off you know, Monday mornings, fly to different places, come, you know, fly back like Thursdays. But it wasn't very satisfying, to be honest. It didn't really like kind of pull me in the direction that I, that I wanted to be going in or that I felt was like very fulfilling. So I didn't, I didn't immediately get kind of where I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I, I, I didn't immediately get there. Now, again, getting back to extracurricular activities, it sounds like you were pretty busy as a student just with trying to take all the classes and studying for all the things that you were taking classes for. But did you have an opportunity to be involved with any extracurricular activities out of Pomona? Yeah, I did a few, like I did stuff with like, you know, we have the dorm system. So I was active in like some of the dorms and like helping with social events. And then there was a group on campus that was kind of your cultural and activity group. Um, and so I was pretty involved with them throughout my time. And so they would do everything from like cultural events to like the campus parties. I remember we rented just like an ice cream truck one day and drove it around campus around exam time as like a kind of like let off steam kind of thing. So that's, that was mostly what took up my time. Pomona, you mentioned it had palm trees, warm yeah. weather year round. How come you didn't stay out in California and uh, keep on enjoying that beautiful weather? I can remember it. It was, um, it was a December. I, so I, I moved and lived in uh, Santa Monica, uh, 11 blocks from the beach after Pomona. <laughs> and I was on the beach like in December reading the newspaper on like a Sunday or something. And it was December and it was beautiful and I'm on the beach and it just didn't feel like real life, you know, like, like, if, like, if, and, and it was also like in that I was in this job, which was like, you know, fine, but also didn't feel like my calling didn't feel like what, what I wanted to really be doing. And I just, I remember it just kind of hit me one day and I was like, this isn't it for me forever. I should think about what I really want to be doing and, and where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And what brought you back to New Jersey? Or assuming that New Jersey was where you came back to? It is. I hopscotched around New Jersey and Washington, D.C. a bit. And again, still figuring out 
what I wanted to be doing. And finally, I knew that I wanted to serve in kind of government. That was one of my life goals and, and specifically work on like farm policy. And to really do that at like an okay starting level, you need to have like an advanced degree. And so I applied and was lucky enough to get into uh, Princeton University's uh, master's program for public affairs. And so that had me here in New Jersey for, for a couple of years. And you know, that was also like great experience and, and kind of honed the skills needed to then actually kind of take the next step and like and serve in government. You were elected to the Crawford Township Committee, I believe, in the election of 2020. So you first started serving in 2021. Was that the first time you had worked in government in any way, shape or form? No. So before, after um, graduating from Princeton, uh, this was 2007, and almost immediately I joined the presidential campaign of someone who even I didn't think was going anywhere, then Senator Barack Obama. I joined as kind of a very low-level person on the farm policy team. And my hope was that brush up on these issues and you know, we'll see where kind of it goes. And then he started picking up steam, uh, which was obviously great. And then it looked like things were going in a very good direction, which was surprised to me and many. And then I was actually in Ohio in 2008 in March, and I got a call from uh, the U.S. Uh, State Department, so responsible for foreign policy. And they said, you know, they had a position they had to fill on the China desk. So the group that works on China policy at state, and they needed to fill it very quickly. And they wanted to know if I would be interested in being considered for it. And this was somewhat out of the blue. And I, I, I was like, like, this is the George W. Bush administration. I was very honest. I'm like, you know, I'm working for the guy that, you know, hopes to replace this president who, you know, like I, there are many things I disagree with this president. And they were like, well, we know where you are now, but like, this is not politics. Like this is serving your country. Do you want to come and do it? In a way it was hard. Cause like I was very invested in the Obama campaign, but another way it was my dream to go work for the U S government. Um, and so I left the Obama campaign and have to be one of the only people that then joined kind of the government under George W. Bush after leaving the Obama campaign. Yeah, it was a it was an incredible experience. I mean, there's not there's it's a real high point kind of serving your country. Um, I was fortunate to accompany or not accompany, but I, I was there in in advance of President George W. Bush when he went on his last trip to China. So I was sent beforehand. I was on the ground to staff him. And then uh, after President Obama was reelected in 2012, I accompanied him on uh, his first trip after reelection to Asia. So had like just incredible opportunities from that. Wow. So you stayed on from the transition from the Bush administration to the Obama administration? Yep. I was not a political appointee. I was, I was, I was kind of hired into the career track. People, I think, often forget this. The vast majority of the federal government is career folks who go through administration. So it doesn't matter who's at the top. And so like, I, I was one of those people. And obviously, on a personal level, you know, I was happy to see the Obama team come in and like many of the folks took the political jobs that I knew. But you serve the president, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And I, and I was happy to, to do that under George W. Bush and, and help advance his uh, Asia policy. Did you know uh, Mandarin or any of the, the Chinese dialects? Oh, it's the biggest embarrassment. I do not. I, I don't. After President Obama came in, one of our focus points was uh, there's a you know, real outlier, horrible kind of military regime in Burma, Myanmar. And 
we wanted to prod them to kind of return to democracy. And so I went and kind of was stationed in our embassy there and was part of the process of trying to prod the military government to, to return to democracy. And while I was there, I was desperately trying to learn Burmese. And it's so hard. like these are tonal languages. It is just so tough. You can even know the word, but if you get the tones wrong, the whole <laughs> meaning is lost. So I, I got nowhere on any of that, unfortunately. I want to go back to when you were working on the Obama campaign. As a college student myself, I had a chance as a journalist to cover the Ford Carter election. Uh And there were visits. New Jersey was very much in contention back then, believe it or not. So there were several visits that both President Ford and Governor Carter made to New Jersey and going along on the bus and watching some of that. And it was just fascinating. It was only a a day or two each time, but it was still fascinating to be involved with it. As someone who was working on a campaign, tell me about some of the things that stand out in your memory from that experience. Oh, man. I mean, a few things stand out. Like, I, I remember... Like I joined the campaign before he was getting much airtime. I don't think I really saw too many speeches before. Like you saw the big convention speech, of course, but I can still remember I, I like so I, I was primarily in Washington D.C. But then when the primary started, kind of you know moved around wherever the campaign wanted to put me. And I remember being in New Hampshire and and hearing him at you know this gymnasium that was just packed before the primary, and it was just electrifying. I mean that was incredible to like be a part of in that room and like hearing him and then like kind of the energy like emanating from the crowd as well you just meet these incredible volunteers and like people who are really invested and like you know believe in kind of the vision of these candidates and i i I went to ohio and they sent me to lake county which is kind of like a bit of a forgotten northeast section of of Ohio, not too far, kind of in the Youngstown orbit. And I got there and these volunteers already had made up like Lake County for Obama t-shirts that they paid for out of their own pockets and already, even without the campaign being there, were like going out, knocking doors, holding these meetups, like spreading the word. And it's just like you're, you, you know, when you have a candidate that kind of inspires hope, you you see that, you know, like it it, it really kind of brings people together in, in a powerful way. And that, I mean, that was, that was awesome to see. Well, obviously your service in the state department ended. You said you were in Montgomery and how did Cranford come on your radar? My wife and I, my wife, uh, Jill is from Long Island and she, her family is still out there. And so there, there was some interest, you know, I, I kind of always wanted to come back to New Jersey she loved Washington, D.C., where where we lived when we got married, but was okay coming back in part to be closer to family. But like she didn't want Long Island and I didn't want kind of another Montgomery Township. We wanted public transit. You know, that's a nice thing about D.C. Like we didn't really take cars anywhere. You could just take the metro or buses all over the place. So we, that was important to us. And we wanted like a downtown kind of walkability and like like connectivity in a community, you know? And so we looked without really knowing Cranford, we had a great realtor who, who, you know, Patty Spinner, um, who was awesome. And she brought us around to a few communities that she thought might resonate with us. And so we did Metuchen, Fanwood, Westfield, and Cranford. And Cranford just 
I don't know. We just had a good feeling here. Uh, we saw a great house on um, Herning, which folks probably know is like the, the Halloween street in town. And um, yeah, that's where we started our, uh, we started our, our time in Cranford. We moved up during a snowstorm, an awful, a terrible snowstorm. And Jill and I made it, but the moving truck did not. And so we spent our first night in our house, like sleeping on the floor under our coats because we had nothing. Like everything was in the moving truck, which got held up because of the snow. But I, I have a special place in my heart for Avenue East because despite this like really bad snowstorm, they still deliver to us. So that was our food when we got here. And then, uh, and then yeah, the moving truck arrived the next day and we were able to start setting up our new life. You know, once you and Jill are in Cranford, tell me, how did you start getting involved in the township? Uh, one of the first things I did was the JCs. So I had a neighbor who was involved in it and, you know, invited me to say, you know, come to this thing. It's a group that volunteers in town or whatever. And I, I didn't really know much about it. It's a great group that is constantly kind of bringing in new people, bringing in new dynamism and does just a lot in town, you know? So that, that was one of the big things that I got involved in almost right away, like probably within a few months of moving here. And then in time, and it took longer, the first kind of government thing I did here was um, the pedestrian safety committee, which is an issue that means a lot to me. And I, if I remember right, I think the chair like left or is an active committee or something like that. So I was appointed to take it over. And that was a kind of the first like local government thing I did up here. And it was, you know, it, it's something that touches everyone's life. So it was, it was a good issue to, to really lean into. Obviously, the role of being a volunteer, whether it's the Cranford JCs or serving on some of the various committees that we have here, but at some point you had to make the decision that you wanted to run for elective office. What prompted that? Did you have visions of the Obama campaign uh, before you started campaigning for the township committee? Obviously, it's very different scale and experience. It was, you know, I, I was close. Uh, I am close with folks who have done it before, like like Patrick Giblin, who kind of encouraged me to think about it. I did have a sense that like some of my kind of like like I was missing some of the public service. So you know, I'd left government a few years earlier, was and am in kind of the private sector, and just being who I am, public service is kind of an innate important. Like I don't know, I feel like it is it is an important aspect of life as I think about my life. I, I was kind of missing that source of meaning, and it seemed like being out of kind of federal government, it, it might be another way to kind of serve and and do some good. Now, as I mentioned, you were selected by your fellow township committee people to serve as the mayor. That happened at the January reorganization meeting. The mayor is one of five equals, basically, when it comes to the township committee. They don't have special powers other than maybe chairing uh, the meeting. Tell me about some of your priorities. What would you like to accomplish in this coming year where you're serving as mayor? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is a very good observation. I hope, you know, people remember like, like I, like I think the mayor, as we saw with like kind of Kathleen Miller Prunty is often like kind of out front and, and sometimes like it takes an unfair, you know, particularly in her case, I I think unfair number of shots, but it is a township committee model. You know, we, we are five commissioners, the vast majority of what we do is by consensus and, and unanimity. I mean, if you watch one of our meetings, you know, like almost every resolution and ordinance is five zero, kind of all in favor. So we do we do try hard to work to find that consensus. For me, like my goals for the year, and, and they are my goals, but I do believe 
they are shared by a majority, if not all the commissioners. There are kind of four areas that I'm focused on, and I'll give you a couple specific examples from them, but like improving our quality of life, investing in our infrastructure, improving how our government runs, and kind of living our values. And so like, what, what does that mean? So like improving our quality of life, like this is an important one to me. So we, we have a wonderful library in town. They have had on the books for a significant expansion of their children's room for a number of years. And, you know, Cranford has already committed almost a million dollars to support the project, but they're about $1.5 million shy. I want to work with them to, to leave no stone on turn to see where we can find that money potentially, because I think it is an asset to our community. It is used by so many members of our community and the children's area has so much content that it's overflowing and there's not the room for like activity space, right? So like an expansion of the children's room, I think would be like an incredibly meaningful thing if we could do it this year. You know, in terms of our infrastructure, you know, I, I've talked about before, but like our all of the above flood strategy. So we, you know, we are a community of floods and I, I you know, we saw with Ida that not enough had been done since the previous major flood hit. And so we're trying to do everything we can, whether it's rebuilding the dike and getting us just a few more inches or looking at our pumps or looking at home buyouts um, in flood prone areas and home elevations in flood prone areas, pretty significant drainage projects. And then obviously the big one is like, what is the regional solution? Because like a storm like Ida, if you don't have a regional solution for that river, I, I don't know if anything we do locally will make a difference, but we, we still have to do what we do, what we can locally. So that's a big piece of it. And then, you know, on improving our government, I, hopefully folks have tuned into TV35 to see, but we, we've changed the meetings to make them kind of more, more transparent and make us commissioners more accountable. So now commissioners give reports at the top of the meeting of what they're working on, what the public should know. That did not exist before. And so we want to increase that accountability. So people watching at home at the top of the meeting can say, oh, this is what's going on in the town's finances. This is what's going on with road paving. This is what's going on in public safety, right? And then living our values. I think it's important that we are a community that feels welcoming to all types of families and all types of residents. And I, I think, you know, in speaking to folks who have grown up in town, they believe Cranford has become a lot more welcoming. And I, and I want to see that trend line continue. And like, there's incredible stuff that like in the library does, CUP does, our, our downtown corp does. And I want to, I want to see that continue. And I guess one last question, as most people realize, the people who serve on the township committee basically do it as volunteers. There is a, a bit of a stipend, but it certainly does not work out to a, a high uh, rate of pay per hour for all the time you put in. What do you do when you're not working on the township committee? Since leaving government, um, I've been involved in a couple different kind of policy areas. So I, I co-founded a consulting firm uh, that focused on like helping businesses expand in the Asia Pacific, where I worked for about five years. And now I am at uh, Audible, the audiobooks company, where I lead their kind of public policy efforts. So uh, involved in like literacy campaigns or some interesting programs we do kind of with governments to promote voices that you don't always hear. It's good, interesting work. And like Audible is, is a great company, great product. Um, so some, something I can be uh, proud of. Well, we've been talking on this edition of Cranford Radio with Brian Andrews. He is the newly selected mayor for the township of Cranford. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Bernie, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.